Michigan's Children proudly presents Speaking for Kids, the podcast where we explore crucial conversations impacting the lives of all Michigan children, youth, and families, especially the most vulnerable. Join us each month as we explore public policies and issues in the best interest of our kids and families. We'll bring you lawmakers and policymakers, advocates fighting for change, and the people most affected by those decisions. With our host, Matt Gillard, president and CEO of Michigan's Children, we'll invite you to become engaged, too, and show you how to take action on what matters most to you. Episodes are recorded live and shared virtually on YouTube and the audio hosting sites, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We're taping this podcast on November 7th, 2023. Two months ago, Governor Whitmer made a special announcement in her What's Next speech where she called on the state legislature to adopt a series of legislative reforms before the end of the calendar year. She called for legislative action on clean energy standards, lower health care and prescription drug costs, protections for reproductive health, election security measures, and paid family and medical leave. With us here to talk about paid family and medical leave specifically, now long overdue for Michigan families, at least in the opinion of Michigan's children, is State Representative Jasper Martis, a Democrat from Genesee County. Welcome, Representative Martis. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the work that you guys do. All right. Well, thanks. Well, before we get into this conversation about paid leave, why don't you just introduce yourself to our audience, uh, tell folks where you're from and, and kind of your background. Yeah, absolutely. So once again, thank you so much for hosting me for this conversation. My name is Jasper Martis. I'm a state representative for the new 69th district, which is Northwest Genesee County, primarily Flushing, Flint Township, Mount Morris Township, Kyle Montrose, Clayton, and Swartz Creek. Uh, prior to running for the state legislature, I was a, a staffer in the house, so I say at least I knew where the bathrooms were coming in. I decided to throw my hat into the ring and run uh, because uh, I'm at an age now where there's a lot of folks who are a little bit older than me, a little bit younger than me. They graduate from high school, college, or trade school, and they move somewhere else. They go to another part of the state, maybe even another uh, and I think it's really important that we reverse that trend of reinvesting in communities like Genesee County that are overlooked and undervalued, uh, honored to be serving in the first Democratic trifecta in 40 years, uh, and prioritizing some issues that really put people first, uh, in my office's case, like paid family and medical leave. Excellent. Well, great. Let's dig right into it. So, yeah, I mean, we were excited, as I think a lot of other folks were, when we heard the governor prioritize this. Uh, a couple of months ago. I mean, this issue is not not new. Uh, it's been debated even at the national stage, obviously without a tremendous amount of success as far as Congress implementing a meaningful paid family and medical leave program. But we have seen a number of other states, including some of our Midwestern counterparts, just recently uh, enacting pretty significant paid family and medical leave programs within their states. And so, you know, this got got our attention, like I said, when the governor, uh, you know, led with this as, as a priority for hers. And I think there was a lot of hope even at that time that this might be something that we could see happen this fall even. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about why this issue is important to you? I know you started to that a little bit and kind of where things stand with this right now in the legislature. Absolutely. So, so personally, um, most members uh, uh, of the House, as you know, are either on appropriations committees or policy committees. For me, I, I wanted to be on appropriations committees uh, because I wanted to make sure that funds were getting back to Genesee County. After we passed the budget in June, I really started to take a look at, from a policy perspective, what did my community need? 
uh, what would be most beneficial for our community. And I kind of put it into three brackets of how to help the people here, how to help bring some of the people back and how to help all the people in between. So uh, helping the people here began working with Senator Sam Singh uh, on creating an office of economic transition to make sure that as we move to green energy and no workers are left behind, uh, how to bring people back, making sure that we're economically competitive. Uh, we were able to pass a research and development tax credit, something that 37 other states already have. And then in terms of helping all the people in between, it was paid family and medical leave. Uh, this is a policy that 120 nations have uh, across the world. 12 other states, uh, at least in, in America, already have. And it's something that I think makes sense economically uh, because it keeps us competitive. It makes sure that young people are incentivized to stay here uh, when they're considering moving to other states, uh, if they're thinking about starting a family age people who may be considering uh, end-of-life care for their parents as their, as their parents get older. It incentivizes them to stay here. So from a policy perspective, it made a lot of sense looking at how other countries have been able to do it, other states have been able to do it, the economic impact, but morally as well. I, my faith is, is very, very important to me. I, I'm not a who uh, gets on the House floor and um, invokes God's name very often. I think that, that in many cases, it should be a, a private relationship that you have, but the morality and justice of making sure that whether you're a, a parent uh, who wants to spend some time with their newborn baby, or whether you're an individual who's sick, uh, dealing with some real personal issues, or whether you have a family member who's in a period of need and suffering, you shouldn't have to choose between those, either the best moments of your life or the worst moments of your life, uh, and, and making sure that you're able to pay the bills. So uh, at the, at, over the summer, after getting the budget done, wanted to prioritize issues that would really benefit my community. We've made a lot of progress on some of those other issues that my office is working on. And this right here is going to be something that we continue to work on until we get it done. Great. Well, that well, that's encouraging to hear. Like I said, a lot of us in the advocacy community were really hopeful that we'd see this uh, moving quicker, but I, you know, you laid out some of the the strongest arguments, and I think it's important for people listening to this to understand. I mean, a lot of us, and especially you know, Michigan's children's perspective as well. When you think of paid family and medical leave, you immediately think of maternity leave and and you know, women having newborn children, and that's a big aspect of this. But it's much broader than that, and and like we're seeing in our society, a lot more uh, folks of working age, working people having to care for older relatives or having to care for. For other relatives or or uh, family members that uh, you know across the age spectrum, and there's huge benefits to this um, to this proposal. And like I said, we've seen this enacted in other states, obviously in other countries for decades um, have had uh, successful uh, paid family medical leave programs. And it's really another example of where I think, in this case, Michigan, but also us as a country, have kind of fallen behind the developed world in what we're doing to support people. Um, as they're working and as they're trying to raise a family. And so, you know, there's all kinds of statistics out there. I think we have in Michigan about 77% of folks that do not have access to paid family leave, uh, even higher number of the, you know, when you talk about low wage or even moderate wage, wage earners. Um, and so the, the support for kids, obviously, and for families raising kids is where Michigan's children's interest in this lies. But we're seeing a real 
groundswell of support from the advocacy world across the spectrum uh, from folks engaged with this. Obviously, the, the opposite side of that is the business community, which you know is a powerful uh, lobbying interest here in Lansing, has been for for generations and will continue to be. And they've you know united essentially in opposition to this. Um, but talk to us a little bit about where the politics are, about maybe why this kind of got held up, because we did see a lot of what, the other things that the governor laid out in her speech this fall, early this fall, come through, or that you guys are still finalizing even this week as we speak here. And this seems to be the last week of, likely to be the last week of session here for the legislature for this fall. Um, but this paid leave proposal has not gotten the attention or has not seemed to move up the priority list uh, with the current legislative leadership, at least. Yeah, I do have a, a very exciting update that we were able to get done last week. Um, after we passed the budget in June, as you know, oftentimes that's followed by a supplemental to kind of close the books, clean up the language, make sure we're balancing our budget. And oftentimes those sorts of supplementals are very, very narrow, tailored, very small. I was able to work with our uh, chair chairwoman of appropriations on the House side to get a quarter of a million dollars for a study on how to implement paid family and medical leave in the state of Michigan. Uh, when I knew that a supplemental was coming up, uh, I had a few folks reach out to me about getting a study done. So some of my colleagues who are equally, if not more passionate about this issue than myself, started lobbying uh, Representative Whitworth to include that, and we were able to do that. So that was an area where, uh, obviously, I want to get paid family and medical leave done as soon as humanly possible, but we were able to take a step in the right direction by allocating a quarter of a million dollars for a study to be conducted early next year of what that would look like in the state of Michigan. So number one, I wanted that very positive update we were excited about. Number two, this is an area where I do think it's going to take some time to get it right. Uh, listening to stakeholders yourself, making sure that we we get a, a big transformative policy like this done correctly. A lot of the things that I was very excited that we were able to accomplish in our first six months, whether that was repealing the pension tax or repealing right to work, was undoing what Republicans had done in the past, right? So th those pieces of legislation were relatively simple. It was <laughs> reverse what other people had done. This sort of progressive change is going to take a minute. And so, as you said, you had a lot of business interests reach out in opposition, try to spread a lot of misinformation, really trying to kill this before it was even ready for prime time. Um, they can continue to do that. I, I do think that there are some changes and compromises we can make that can make them less angry about it. But this was something that even when it was announced by the governor, uh, even in my wildest dreams, I knew was going to take a little bit of time. So uh, I, I'm really happy that we were able to get that funding for a study of how to do that. And I think you are starting to see people consider, hey, we got the first Democratic trifecta in, in 40 years. Uh, we need to start not just 
reversing some of the things that our predecessors did, but looking forward with a progressive vision that uplifts the most vulnerable. But some of those policies are going to take a minute to get right. And so, uh, of course, I wish that we would have been able to get that done this fall. Uh, maybe something's going to happen in the 40, next 48 hours. Who knows? Uh, but but I do think we're headed in the right direction. No, I I agree. And, I'm, and we were happy and excited to see the, the funding included in the supplemental for the actuarial study as well. Because as you say, without that, right now, the only numbers out there floated around how this costs are being driven by the opposition, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to this. And so having something that we can rely on to say, no, this is actually... And and even you know to give your colleagues and others uh, you know some stability in what it is that ultimately will come. I I agree. I think that's a positive step in the right direction. Now that said, it'll be imperative for yourself and others who are who are leading the charge on this to make sure that there aren't delays, unnecessary delays, and that you know the study moves forward in a way that's. Uh, that's expedient enough so that we can continue momentum on this. You're right. I mean, this is a this is a challenging issue, but we have seen other states, uh, you know, move move in this direction, and we're building the advocacy. I think muscle behind this to help push this along. And frankly, you know, the historical kind of notion would be, and I think still maybe holds true to some extent, that this is a difficult thing to do in an election year, right? And so I think that was a lot of what the hope was is that. We can maybe get this done this fall because it'll be more challenging to do in an election year. Well, I mean, the reality is, is I think this is something that people should be running on, not running away from. Right. I mean, we've got polling data that shows north of 80 percent support for this proposal. And so when you can lay it out there and explain it to people what it is and how it's going to be paid for. There's broad support for this. And this is something that that if I was running for office again, and interest of full disclosure, I, I served in, in the legislature 100 years yep. ago. Jasper and I were talking about that before we started today. But, I, you know, this is something I'd be wanting to run on. I want I'd want I'd be wanting to run to say I did this. This is something positive that I supported that we're able to get through. And so, you know, that's a bit of a dynamic shift, maybe that that we have to start looking at. But, uh, no, I think the study was the right. What, what was a good step in, in something that we'll certainly continue to build on. Um, and, you know, there are examples out there. Now, you know, what we're having to see, because the inability of Congress, frankly, at the federal level to enact a, a meaningful paid family medical leave proposal nationwide, um, we're seeing states having to do this. And But but that said, there are some examples then that we can learn from states uh, that have, you know, are ahead of us on this, on what works and what doesn't. And, you know, one of the things that, that we're certainly interested in, and I know a lot of our advocacy partners are, is to make this as universal as possible and to try to make sure that the program, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to do this, it makes sense to make it as universal and make it as effective for all working families um, regardless of, you know, what your employment situation seems to be. And, and so that's a critical component. And it seems like the leaders in the legislature, like yourself, uh, like Senator Geis and, and others that have really jumped in on this, uh, share those same values and, and understand, uh, you know, what's important in making this happen. Because you're going to get one shot at this. It's not like you're going to be able to pass this and then immediately go back and amend it. It's a, there's a, you know, fairly long ramp off ramp for implementation on a proposal like this. And so getting it right makes a lot of sense. So talk a little bit about that, maybe. Who are some of the other leaders in the legislature that you're working with and how have those conversations gone as we start to move through this process? Yeah, absolutely. And I would just add to, to, to your excellent point. This is something that 
I I am running on advocating for, and I think it would be foolish for any of my colleagues to not bring it up. Uh, again, it, it's a nice, it's very nice when the politics and the policy line up, and this is a policy that makes sense. Uh, it, it's it's shaped by justice and dignity, uh, and also it's something that you said almost falls at 80%. So uh, I would encourage a number of my colleagues to uh, uh, campaign on that. I'd say before I get to current elected officials, uh, let me start with some former elected officials. As we discussed before the podcast started, uh, Jim Ananick, the former state senator for Flint, former uh, state uh, Senate minority leader, uh, was a huge mentor to me. I wouldn't be where I am or who I am without him. And when he left office, uh, we started to have some conversations about some of the policies that he wanted to see get done. You know, I, I joke that he's the Moses of the Michigan Democratic Party because uh, we were 40 years in the wilderness of not having a trifecta. He got us to that trifecta, but then he can't go in, right? And uh, so, for, so for some of my uh, fans of the Bible, I'm sure that you uh, listening to this will appreciate that reference. But uh, when I was talking to Jim about what he wanted carried on, this was a top issue for him. He worked on it very, very hard uh, when he was in the minority, even though there wasn't going to be a lot of movement. And so that this is an area where he and I talk almost every day uh, because he's such a huge mentor to me. And this has been a top priority for him. So this is re what really put uh, put this issue on the radar for me. Uh, in terms of current members, uh, Senator Erica Geis in the Senate has been a phenomenal advocate. Uh, when she served with Senator Ananick, they worked closely together on this. I would also uplift Senator Stephanie Chang. She's a tremendous advocate for a number of policies. Uh, I, I would say that she's one of the most effective legislators I've ever met. Uh, on the House side, uh, Representative Helena Scott uh, has taken a, a leadership role on this, introducing the House version of paid family and medical leave. Other folks who really uh, go uh, across the state, go um, across from safe seats to vulnerable seats. Jamie Church is from Down River, is very passionate about this. She's uh, an excellent colleague and friend. Um, this is an issue that uh, you know, in our democratic, we have a big tent, right? There's a lot of factions, uh, and it doesn't seem to me, uh, no matter what side or what faction that you're on, uh, in our party, that is an area that we can come together on. So what, what's really nice is that we are in agreement on the goal of implementing a paid family and medical leave system. I think as those conversations progress, uh, the hardest part is going to be determining what that looks like. So, uh, as Sir Isaac Newton said, if I've seen further, or uh, if I've seen further, it is from standing on the shoulders of giants. I stand on the shoulders of Jim Ananick in this regard, but also working with a number of excellent colleagues right now, both in the Senate and the House, to make sure that we make progress on this. That's great. No, that's good to hear. And those are some certainly some familiar names as well that that we've worked with on other issues. And it's good to know that they're uh, out front and center on this as well. So I mentioned a couple of times that there is a, you know, a, a growing advocacy effort, a coalition behind this. We're working at Michigan's Children. We're working closely with partners like Mothering Justice and the Michigan League for Public Policies and, and literally dozens and dozens 
um, mm -hmm. of other organizations that are excited and interested and, and supportive of this. But from your perspective as an elected official today and knowing kind of where things stand and how things are uh, are moving or prioritized, what can advocates like those might be listening to this podcast uh, do to make their voices heard or to, to show their support and to urge their elected officials, their legislators, uh, to be supportive of a paid family medical leave proposal in Michigan? Absolutely. You know, there was a tweet going around uh, over the weekend. It was from somebody asking if uh, when folks write in to their elected officials, does that make a difference? And and I sent this person a, a direct message and I said it, it does. Uh, done in the correct way. A lot of times, uh, and I'm sure it was the same case when you were in the legislature, if, if we are getting a thousand form emails, a lot of times those names and those passions get lost in that list of, of a thousand copied and pasted messages. But when folks reach out with personal stories, when folks reach out and say how this impacts them in their lives, not just the copied and pasted message that we all want this to be done, or we're all against this, or this issue is more important than the other. But when people share their story, uh, that's what makes the biggest difference. That's what, when I was initially running, uh, knocking on doors 150 of 152 straight days, what made me go out, whether it was, you know, zero degrees out or 100 degrees out by the time it was the summertime, was people sharing their story. And what an honor that is for people to be vulnerable and to share their perspectives, to share their experiences. That's what makes the biggest difference in the world. Doesn't matter what the issue is if you write in and say you support paid family medical leave or you should support paid family medical leave because it pulls at 80 percent we get 100 messages that say that you know uh, you'll get the form response back but if you write in doesn't matter if it's to me or somebody else and you share that story of being a young mother who the next day after giving given birth had to go back to work or that experience of watching a family member get sick and be on their deathbed and then having to worry about getting your shift covered or going to make ends meet. If you feel comfortable and empowered enough to share those stories, boy, does that make a difference. And that really the form letters are good for taking a, uh, the temperature of what issues people are passionate about. But if you want something to stay with your elected official, whether it's a phone call, whether it's an email or a letter, whether it's showing up at a coffee hour or stopping us at the grocery store, uh, when you share your own personal story, that puts the, the, the righteous on our shoulders to actually do something about that. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And that's, you know, from an advocacy perspective, that's what's so great about issues like this. And frankly, a lot of the issues that we work with at Michigan's Children is the personal stories are so powerful and are, you know, meaningful. And, and the impact that that a policy change like this or enacting legislation like this can have on families is so significant. And so once we get people to understand that, uh, it becomes a lot easier for us to be out there, you know, beating the drum and, and getting folks engaged. Well, 
I'm sure we'll be discussing this issue again in the months ahead. Uh, we've actually asked Senator Geis, who Representative Martis mentioned, to come on the show along with our friends from Mothering Justice. And we're really looking forward to that, uh, probably coming up in the new year. As, as Representative Martis indicated, this issue is going to stay. Uh, we're going to do all we can at Michigan's Children, and I know he's going to do all he can in the legislature to keep this issue at the at the top of the list as far as priorities as we move forward. And uh, Representative Martis, I want to thank you. You've been a great guest. I hope you come back and join us uh, in two 2024, either on this topic or on another topic that we can discuss um, as well. And so for now, thank you and goodbye. Thanks everybody for listening and please feel free to share this podcast uh, with anybody who you think might be interested. Thanks and have a good day. You've been listening to Speaking for Kids, the podcast for Michigan's children with host Matt Gillard. Thanks for joining us. To explore these and other issues relevant to our state's children, youth, and families, and to build your advocacy muscle, go to our website at www.michiganschildren.org. You'll find links and news about past and future podcast topics under our resource tab and action alerts under the Take Action tab. Find and like us on Facebook and Twitter. Terry Bannis and Stephen Wallace produced this podcast. Contact them with your questions and ideas for other topics. Michigan's Children is a nonprofit advocacy organization, an independent voice working to reduce disparities in child outcomes from cradle to career through policy change.